so many of us saw the Michael Jordan and 90s Bulls documentary last night. Most of us either blown away with it or just reminded how mind-blowing of a team and an era and an ending that was to the Bulls dynasty run. Parts 1 and 2 last night, and they'll trickle out for another eight weeks after that, a 10-part series. It's the buzz of the sports world today, and a lot of sports fans saw it, but very few actually lived it. And our guest right now, a Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer who spent nine years in the NBA, he guarded Jordan, he played against Kobe and LeBron, from 1996 to 2005, what an interesting transitional time to be in the league. And this guy was a very, very sound defender after coming out of Nebraska as an all-Big 8 guard and as the sixth all-time leading scorer in Nebraska basketball history. Always great to have Eric Strickland, 6'3", out of Bellevue West High School in Greater Omaha, joining us on the Tires, Tires, Tires fan line. Strick still works in basketball, and we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, you you saw it. You saw parts one and two of this Jordan documentary last night. But as I said, it Strick, you lived it. And Larry Bird, you know, he he called the Jordan God on a basketball court after Jordan put up sixty two exactly thirty five thirty four years ago today in the NBA playoffs. We all know he was ruthless. He was relentless. Uh, and you guarded him. So, I mean, when you're staring at Michael Jordan getting in that stance, what are you seeing in his eyes? And just take us there and what that was like for a guy coming out of Omaha and the University of Nebraska. I think first, you know, first and foremost, you know, there's there's multiple stages to it. It doesn't just it doesn't just happen where you just you know go out and you toss it up. I mean, it's it's prior to it's it's in practice. It's it's when coach comes to you and he says, you know, your assignment is is Michael. And all of the things you thought about, you reminisced and you watched and that you observed when you were a kid, you know, saying that you're going to be there. Now it's, it's, it's the culmination of it coming to fruition right then at that spot. And then it's pregame. It's, it's you know, you're trying to understand your assignment. You're trying to remember... You know, what they like to run and what they do. And, and, you know, that's all good. The preparation part's fine. But then when you go onto the court for pregame, you know, warm-ups and stuff like that, and they come out and you're like, you look across and you're awestruck. You're like, and you're a young player. You're like, man, you know, I'm here. You know, this is it. And then when you when the ball gets tossed up, all of that changes. I mean, you're like, you know, you go back into your dog mode. That's if you're a dog. You go back into your dog mode and you're just like, you know, I don't care who he is or what he is. I got to do what I got to do, you know. And But the one thing that you don't do is you don't talk to him. And so I didn't do that. I made sure I didn't open my mouth and say anything stupid to become uh, like those, those, those usual stories that you hear. Um, what he does to you after you open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you didn't open your mouth, but did he open his mouth? Was it, What kind of a trash talker was he when you had to guard Michael Jordan? Um, well, Jordan's a, definitely that. I mean, he's a trash talker. I, I mean, I don't think I heard it. In, you know, I heard it pre, uh, pre-game. We were... Deion Sanders... Um, um, has a had a club back then called Primetime Twenty One, 
And so prior to the game, you know, they were in town and we ended up going to the, the you know, to the event that he had that night before. And by, and by the way, Strick, I just and want to so, set this up. Is this your rookie year with the Dallas Mavericks you're talking about, Dion's place in Dallas? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, you know, this. So, so I heard it pregame. So, you know, the way he said it to me pregame was um, I had an aunt that was coaching at SMU and her, her dad, I mean, her husband was coaching at SMU. And so, you know, she wanted to meet him. And we're all standing outside afterwards. And so I go up to him like, hey, man, MJ, you know, my aunt, you know, would like to meet you. And she said, oh, okay, sure, come here. You know, he introduced himself. And, and uh, then he says, well, you know, make sure he goes home. It's a good night's rest. It's going to be a long day for him tomorrow. <laughs> so you hear it pregame, but in 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 game, you know, Mike he, he 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 handles business. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think he talks when you know he feels he needs to. But I think they were actually beating us. They were beating us pretty good. So he really just was doing his thing. And then when we made our comeback. Um, you know, I think he was more focused on trying to um, make sure that they uh, win this game as opposed to, you know, anything of saying anything because, you know, we actually came back and, and, and um, you know, pulled off a good win. So it's kind of weird. You know, those are, the, those are the only talks that I really had from MJ. I think the biggest respect I could get from him was um, he had an event down in Austin it was a golf tournament uh, that he has, you know, when he was, you know, still doing a lot of that stuff. And it was a little golf event, so he invited a lot of us down. And so I think me, Mike Finley, went down. And um, and he had a little basketball, you know, exhibition thing. And originally I was on the opposite team of his, and, and he told them prior to the game, he's like, yo, man, switch shirts, man, get strict. Get strict, man, he's on my team. And I thought that was, you know, um, you know, just, just it, it was a reflection of just how much, you know, work you put in as far as that's what he liked. He, he wanted guys that was going to take challenges. He wanted guys that was going to, you know, going to play hard and that was going to give it give it what they got. And I thought that was, you know, one one testament to me of, you know, uh, of, of respect that I gained wow. from, from MJ. Wow! So Michael Jordan wanted he, you on his golf team. It, 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 well, uh, it was his exhibition basketball. Exhibition team. Basketball. basketball. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we were playing like a little exhibition game. You know. It was, you know. It was some NBA guys there with a lot of different players, some some celebrities, and you know he wanted me on his team. So I thought that was pretty cool. What? So compare being teammates with Michael Jordan. Uh, even in an exhibition game with other NBA players, to having to guard him in an NBA game. So, uh, how would you describe him as a teammate? Man, just he, he, he's gonna lay, he's gonna scrap, he's gonna strap up. You want to do, you don't want to let him down. You know, you know, you want to do what he does. You you want to make sure that you know he's gonna bring it all. He's gonna lay it all on the line, and it doesn't matter if it's an All Star game, it's an exhibition game. He wants to win. So you don't just go out there and, and play like just any old nonchalant type of way. You want to give it what you got. And so we had to do that. 
Eric Strickland joins us. He's the number six all-time leading scorer in Nebraska basketball history. Played nine years in the NBA from 1996 to 2005 for six different teams. First four in Dallas with the Mavericks. So uh, this is stories from his first year in the NBA, both guarding and uh, having Michael Jordan as a teammate. It is Craig and John, day after parts one and two, that we saw with the last dance about the Chicago Bulls. Here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. I'm John Gaskins with Craig Maddock. Eric, those first couple of years in the league, you're with Dallas. It's at the height of the Chicago Bulls run. Compare the differences when you played at United Center Chicago and when the Bulls came to Dallas. What was the difference in atmosphere like during those first couple of years? Well... First of all, they're a traveling Beatles-type roadshow. Yes. So no, no matter where they went, it was going to be packed. It, it was, that was just how they were. That was kind of the atmosphere they brought, whether they were on the road or at home. So, But playing in the United Center was just absolutely amazing. You know, just, just get a feeling of what you feel like going to a Husker game. And then how hyped they get when they hear that, that, you know, that sound. I mean, that's the same music the Bulls, I mean, the Bulls started that, right? Yep. Serious. So, Serious by the so, Alan Parsons Project. Yep. That's where Nebraska got it yeah, from. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah. So when you heard that and the lights went out and, the, and they freaking, the crowd would lose it, man, and the atmosphere was just sick in, in the United Center. It was I mean, it made your heart bubble. I mean, you, I can't, you, you can't explain it, what it's like being in there during that time. I mean, you're dang near height, and, and you know, I can't even explain what the emotions are when you're, when you're in that atmosphere. It's, it's, it's unexplainable. You really can't. Did the, the hometown folks uh, keep it alive for you guys, or were there more Chicago Bulls fans at those games? Man, no, 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 no! Don't don't get it twisted. We had great <laughs> fans in Dallas. Now that that was, I mean, as bad as we were, one thing that's for sure: Dallas Dallas Mavericks fans are for real. They're 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 serious, and they packed out reunion. And yes, they were there, and they loved Jordan, and they loved seeing him. But boy, you know, they kept us in the game because they were, they, they, you know, what what Dallas fans wanted was a team that was going to fight. And I think as we, you know, when the trades all happened and all of that moved, we we were a team that even though we were losing, we were coming to play every night. It wasn't like we were laying down for people. We did teams are just better than us, and so. That was that was the atmosphere. Yeah, there were a lot of Bulls fans in there, but it was it was it was just as raucous for them the Mavs the Mavs fans. Absolutely. When was the first time you got a win against Michael Jordan? Uh, it was the year they were seventeen uh, seventy two and ten. We split with them that year. And how'd you do it? What was the? Was the how, how did that happen? And how well did you? Were you guarding Jordan most of that night, or was he guarding uh, you? It was it, it was it was it was splitting off of you know me and Michael. Okay. Um, you know we would switch, and you know I'd go. You know I, I had to guard Pippen some that game. Um, oh goodness. 
You know, I, I rarely guarded Ron Harper. I think it was usually between those two. It was, it was Pip and Jordan. Um, you know, a little bit of Ron Harper. Any any classic uh, story, Strick, where you 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 either stopped them or scored on them in in, in uh, the midst of that the, big game or that win that you remember and what that felt like? Uh, yeah, I, I I I could say that I, I wasn't you know in big score mode that time. I mean, um, what about defending? I was more in let, let, let me get stops. You know, what I mean? you know the the real thing about it, man. You can't really stop Mike. I mean, it's. It's 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 not, you don't stop Mike. Mike just if he misses he misses. Um, that that's really how it is. I mean you just you're there you challenge and you hope he misses. I mean that's 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 just being honest. Uh, you you know there's no better way to say it than that. Yeah. He was gonna he was gonna get to a spot. He was gonna counter whatever you did. And he had two or three of those, and if you didn't bite on the counter, he was gonna hit you with a fadeaway, a shot fake, a jump shot, an up and under. Um, he was gonna get you some way or another, and it was up to you to then uh, just be there to challenge and hope he missed. Eric Strickland joining us, playing the NBA for nine years out of Nebraska, 1996 to 2005. Craig and John here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and Uh To what extent did you play and or guard Kobe Bryant and or LeBron James? Um, um, I always pretty much um, guarded Kobe okay. pretty much. Uh, a little more, sometimes Derek Fisher, but more, more, more Kobe. How would you compare? Um, how would you compare and contrast guarding guarding Jordan and guarding Kobe? And if either of the two were tougher to defend, um, they they were very similar. I think I think you can get Kobe to take bad, uh, worser shots than than MJ. MJ wasn't going to take a bad shot. I mean, he would take challenge shots, but to him, they you know they weren't challenged. Um, Kobe took more threes. I think you can kind of you know um, Kobe was kind of in that in that time frame. He was he was a lot with Shaq, and and uh, you know of course everybody knew Shaq was the guy, and so you would just try to bait him into. Going on a uh, on a rampage, and then you know, hope he takes bad shots and he misses, or he takes high volume shots and he misses. That that was the way you beat the Lakers then. Um, but but very similar. Those those players, their players were very similar, except just MJ was a more efficient, more efficient. Okay, you you were, um, you, you were six three. Oh, go ahead, keep going. No, no, go ahead. Okay. I mean, you, you, I mean, you were you were six three, two ten. So I mean, Jordan, MJ, or your size, your guys. Uh, so I, I, how how much did you ever get into it with LeBron? Your last couple of years were his first couple of years in the NBA, and even if you weren't guarding him, you were certainly on the same court oh. with him a time or two. Um, and so explain yeah. him, and explain that and how tough he was to stop and how he compared to MJ because you know strictly keep having these conversations especially after Kobe died MJ versus Kobe MJ versus LeBron greatest ever and you know you had you had your you had your crack at all of them at some point how do you throw LeBron into well, that when mix? I had, 
when I had LeBron, LeBron was a young LeBron, and I, I wasn't too worried about him then. Um, okay. Then now, well, because we, we still at that time, even though we couldn't put as much, we, we could still be a little bit physical with you without having to worry about, you know, um, and he wasn't as physical as he is now. So it, it, it's a little bit different. So I can't really attribute because he's a different player now than he was then. He really couldn't shoot back then. So you didn't, you know, you just had to guard him and keep him from getting, you know, to the rim and then fast break opportunity. So he, he wasn't as difficult uh, then as, as he probably is now. Um, plus LeBron, LeBron doesn't post up. MJ, MJ would get you on the block. And and uh, that was a workout spot for him. If he got you where he wanted you, you, there's nothing you could do about it. So you just had to try to keep him from where he wanted to start. <laughs> so um, those are different. Those those are differences. Um, there's no more efficient score than um, than MJ. The only other person that I I played with or observed with that kind of efficiency is just kind of could get wherever they wanted and, and was very efficient was Paul Pierce. Um, he was the only other player that I felt was just, you know, effortlessly efficient in, in the way that he scored. Okay. Um, and the only other person mid-range-wise that I could compare to MJ um, was Rip Hamilton, um, where he, he just, he was a mid-range killer, and there's nothing you could do about it. So... Don't, but 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 uh, yeah, LeBron. Yeah, no, just different. Just okay. different types of players. They are, um, and yeah. and that's always part of the conversation. Obviously, LeBron can do so many different things. Uh, Eric Strickland joining us here on Craig and John played in the NBA 1996 through 2005. And, uh, of course, we're going back to the Bulls documentary yesterday. We'll get to Craig in a moment. I just want to finish up this conversation. So is it safe to say was was Jordan was the toughest player you ever defended, toughest to defend player you have ever defended? And in the conversation of MJ versus LeBron, it sounds like, even though rules are different and they're different sizes and types, you'd go with MJ. Is all that fair? Yeah. I, I, first of all, I'm going with MJ because you just look at all of the Hall of Famers MJ kept from getting championships. Yeah. You just, I mean, you can just go down the list yep. and just all Gary Payton, you know, you, you Sean Kemp, Stockton and Malone, uh, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley. Uh, I mean, Barkley, and then he got a Lakers team at at, at still in their prime. Drexler and the Blazers, Magic and the Lakers. Drexler, bruh, you can just go down the Reggie list. Miller and all those Knicks teams. Barkley, yeah, Bar- all of them, yeah. So that's. That's where I look at it's like no no comparison. He six and zero. Eric last and one, uh, he kept me. a lot of. Go ahead. He, you can finish up. Yeah. Go ahead and finish up, Strick. It's okay. No, that, Craig. Craig. No, that was it. That was it. Craig, go ahead, man. <laughs> go ahead. What's your question? Strick, did uh, MJ make you a much better defender in the NBA? Um, he, he definitely made me more astute and, and, and to be more studious because he had, he had counters. I mean, he had killer counters and you, you had to be prepared for, you know, footwork wise for, you know, any counters, changes of directions. Um, 
you know, as far as just straight players to guard him, um, you know, of course, Kobe was very similar. Um, guys like Allen Iverson, to me, weren't as, as hard to guard, only because I'm 220, he's 165. So he hits me, he falls. And, and you know, they bail him out a lot. You know, so I hated that. I always had to tell the refs before the game, look, Allen is 160. I'm 220, and he would always come to the middle, and we would always have these little jostling matches, matches with the re- with the referees, and we would go back and forth. So we had a pretty good relationship. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, so guys like him, Stephon Marbury, um, Baron Davis, um, those guys like that weren't very difficult for me. You know, I mean, yeah, they're hard because they're great players. But I'm just saying, they guys like uh, you know MJ Kobe. Um, you know, I hated just Rip Hamilton and Reggie Miller because you're running off 50 million screens. Allen, that's the only reason I hated Allen because you're gonna, he shot volume and you're gonna run off so many different screens and you're running all night. Um, the only other person, um, the only other people I did not like was like Damon Stottlemyre and Nick Van Exel. It was just because they were so herky jerky and they didn't have no pattern to their style. And most most everybody else had patterns, you know. You can pretty much, you know, study and and observe and and, and get a feel for what they were doing, and and where you didn't want them to be or try to keep them from being. So other than that, that was that was the difference. Okay, uh, we're so we're uh, Craig. Anything else for Strick? No, good stuff by yeah. by Eric. Today. Yeah, I mean, we could go on all day. We really appreciate your time. The last one I have for you, and I'll kind of put them all into one ball. Is I mean, uh, you're you're 46 years old, six years older than me. I, I was a big, huge Bulls fan. I had relatives in Chicago, um, so I was there. I was there with them starting in the 80s. Uh, and you know, Jordan's best years when he started winning titles, those first three with the Bulls, were when you were at Nebraska, and then you eventually go to the NBA at the tail end of his Bulls and then Wizards career. I'd love to know from you uh, how influential he was on your game, Eric, because he Jordan was an incredible defender. You were a scoring machine and a lockdown defender in some big eight heydays at Nebraska. Uh, so how much of an influence first was he on 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 you and your career? It, it, he was actually tremendous. I actually, my senior year, I bought a pair of Jordans, and I didn't want to not wear them in any game. And more, more so, like you said, is his ability to play both sides of the court. And that's what really inspired me because, you know, I didn't want to just be a defender. I didn't want to just be a scorer. I, I didn't want to just be a one-dimensional one player. And so he exhibited that, and so he he made me strive to be better, and and his ability to post. That's I think that's what made me a better post player, and that's what made me pretty effective in the NBA is the ability to do all of those things um, because that's what I I thrived on. My mid range game is what made me a better player. I always said that if I can get to one spot, if I can get to this spot, there's no one that can stop me. And 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 so he made me better in that aspect because that's what I wanted to attribute myself mm. to is, is being a better mid-range guy. And uh, you've mentioned a couple off-court stories from like your rookie year, both in Deion Sanders' club the night before you had to guard Jordan for the first time as a rookie and the golf tournament in Austin that you mentioned, which included an exhibition game where you, where Jordan wanted you on his team. How would you describe him off the court? When you had, when you, obviously you had gained his respect on the court and then you saw him off the court. 
um, you know, what was what was he like, and what was the difference? Uh, MJ MJ's actually was pretty cool. Um, you know, he's a cigar guy, and you know, he would relax. He kind of he, he kind of keep to himself. He was very private, you know. So you know, you really would have to be a really close friend, you know, to really delve into. Uh, he was funny, um, but but he was very private. So you know, on the surface, you know, you got to see piece of him. But you know, I, I, I could I would assume that like Rod Higgins and those guys who you know I've known over the years, um, uh, you know, Adolph Shiver, you know, who did a lot of stuff for him down in North Carolina. You know, I got to know those guys in the perf, you know, you know, just the pur- purview of him. But, um, yeah, just very private, very, you know, okay. to himself. Not standoffish if you're in it, you know, around him. But, um, but, but it can come off that way, and you know, you would expect that to be that yeah. that way, being who he is. But not quite Prince, who you had to go through his bodyguard to talk to Prince. Not quite like nah. that. Okay. Uh, hey, man, thank you so much today. Uh, Eric Strickland is now uh, part of a new business where you're doing ePlay analytics, helping uh, college basketball recruits and college players uh, get into college or the NBA, depending on where they're at. And uh, you're working with Nike and agencies, and it sounds like an exciting life, and you're in Dallas. And it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. That was a treat, Strick. Thank you so much for all these stories, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, man. Thank you, guys. Woo! Wow. Uh, if you missed any of that, full podcast, kwsn.com on the Marv's Body Shop podcast page right now. Craig and I will react to some of the best parts of that interview and the Last Dance documentary last night. And we'll ask you if the Vikings should take a left tackle in the first round of the draft or just trade for Trent Williams and then take one specific receiver they should get. Next on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230 and kwsn.com. Can't hear the show on the radio? No problem. We're always live at kwsn.com and on the free, easy-to-download KWSN mobile app. I really hate spending my hard-earned money on stuff.